Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I have this figured out in the first 287 episodes, but apparently I don't. <laughs> but we're recording with Mr. Larry Burns, author of Autonomy, which the book, the audio book, will be linked in the uh, top comment, as always, and in the description. And Mr. Burns just asked me what got me into it. And as anyone that follows this podcast knows, it's I just kind of go down rabbit holes of really anything I get interested in. And right now, um, it, it's kind of a, autonomous cars. And before I start rambling and lose myself, how about you introduce yourself real quick? Yeah. Well, I... Um, um certainly someone who's been involved with engineering my whole career. Uh, I would say I'm an engineer from the top of my head to the tips of my toes. And I've been around cars my whole life, having grown up in Southeast Michigan. My dad had a diner in uh, Pontiac, Michigan, and I started working there when I was 11, and we were feeding the people who worked in most of the auto plants in the area. Mm -hmm. So you can't grow up in Southeast Michigan without having cars in your blood. Yeah. And I became fascinated with the industry and had a long career at General Motors and then ultimately um, left. I, I led research and development at General Motors. I led product planning at General Motors worldwide for a mm -hmm. number of years. So, so that's pretty much my background. But I've been fascinated about transportation and technology in particular and how it's going to change the way all of us move around and interact. Yeah. And it's I love I love the I love the similarity between like you know you you watch early like documentaries or read books on like the first like punch card computers like ENIAC or maniac or and it's just you look at it and you're like how did they everyone at the time was what are you doing you lunatics but now it's right now it's iphone it's kind of the same thing with the hummer driving around rolling over jumping over tabletops and it's like they're gonna look at that it's gonna be 2050 and they're gonna be like hey don't forget this is where we started with driving cars and you know now it's gonna be global auto bonds and everything's going 250 miles an hour and self-driving but where are we in terms of like what ray kurzweil calls like the uh, like the tsunami of technology for 99 percent of the tsunami's life no one sees it except those looking for it it's not until the last one percent of its life that the world becomes aware of it where do you think yeah. we are on the tsunami of uh, autonomous driving? Yeah, it, it's a great question to lead with, Tommy. I, I, first of all, you have to look at autonomous driving and its development more like running a marathon rather than a, a sprint. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, my sense is we're probably somewhere mile 16 or 18. We're well beyond the halfway point. Uh, I characterize this more as a quest rather than um, a race. Mm -hmm. Uh, Quest is a long, arduous journey, and uh, we've done some remarkable things with the technology, absolutely mind-boggling. I get to ride in the cars fairly regularly because I'm an advisor to Waymo, which is one of the self-driving car development companies. And, and what we're capable of doing is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. But what human beings are capable of doing is also amazing. We've got these two little cameras in our head, yeah, and we have learned how to perceive things under a wide range of conditions. And well. Uh, we talk a lot about the number of roadway fatalities worldwide. You know, it's on the order of 1.2, 1.3 million a year. And in the United States, we have about 40,000 
people a year die on the roads. On the one hand, you, you, you see that's epidemic in scale, but on the other hand, Americans drive three trillion miles. So you could argue humans are pretty darn good at this. Yeah. So now we've got to do, we've got to continue to develop the software, and really, really importantly, the sensors are getting better and better. Yeah. Um, there's a sensor called a LIDAR, which is a spinning laser, basically. That's getting better. There's radars and there's cameras. And the Moore's Law with the computer mm-hmm. processing capability just continues to play out. So all of this continues to get better and better. So it's it's inevitable. It's a marathon. It's inevitable. It's a quest. I'd say we're two-thirds of the way uh, along that quest. Um, the first 99% of what we learned came pretty fast. The last 1% is probably proving to be harder than a lot of us um, envisioned at first. Keep in mind, we, the real breakthrough race in all of this was called the DARPA Urban Challenge, yep. the Defensive Research Projects Agency. This was grounded in a very, very important objective, which was to keep soldiers out of harm's way. And in the Middle East wars, um, we are having our, our soldiers maimed and killed because of these explosive devices. And the Department of Defense was anxious to get a vehicle that they could send into missions in cities that uh, they could didn't have to use remote control. They didn't have to have any soldiers in, in the vehicles, and they could accomplish their mission. So this was a pretty tall task. And the race that really captured a lot of our attention was the DARPA Urban Challenge in 2007. Yeah. That, view that as sort of very, very early proof of concept. Okay. So we've been hammering at this for 13 years, made dramatic progress. It is absolutely inevitable, Tommy. There's no question in my mind that, that, that it's, it's not going to converge. Um, it will. We'll get there. But um, I'd say we're maybe two-thirds of the way along now. Okay. So if we're, if we're at – that's a fantastic answer. If we're, I, always, I always love talking to individuals who are just light years more intelligent than I am, which and you are one of them. If we are on mile 16 – when you would say that you would say the marathon began in 2007 is that correct so yeah yeah yeah, maybe 2009 the funny thing that happened in 2007 you know it was held out in victorville california Mm -hmm. victorville was a military base that had been closed but it had a lot of development on the base it had roads and buildings and things and we had um, originally around 80 teams had entered this race and 35 built cars and 14 qualified for this weekend final event to win $2 million. And um, we couldn't use, again, no remote control, no maps or anything like that. The car had to be smart enough to go through this series of tasks that uh, we laid out there. ESPN covered the event. We had about 3,500 people there. And um, fortunately, the team that General Motors sponsor that's who i worked for at the time with leading r&d there we sponsored carnegie mellon university and our team won and so i happened to be part of the ceremony on the stage to receive the two million dollar check i jokingly say gm needed the two million bucks pretty bad we were running out of money at the time so i really <laughs> needed it i asked tony tether the head of darpa when's our next race and he said larry we're not going to have another race you guys have sort of mission accomplished you've proven this is possible now it's up to the commercial sector to run with it so i'm all excited hey we're, we're on our way and i thought auto companies including my own company would jump with this and run out of heart and they didn't it took google really larry page and sergey Brin were the only real envision big leaders big company leaders that could see this was possible and by 2009 they they stepped up and said they're going to go for it with creating google self-driving cars the auto industry really didn't 
get into this, I think, in significant ways till 2015. So you could say we started the clock at 2007 and we're 13 years into it. I'd say in 2007, that race gave us crude proof of concept. 2009, a big player, Larry Page, Sergey Brun, Google stepped in. They're going to commit the resource to do it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. That was a catalyst to bring in a lot of these other players so I would say maybe the world's been running hard at this uh, beyond Google for less than 10 years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I would, we're, we're, we're approaching a tipping point. Let me talk about this tipping point sure. a little bit, Tommy. Sure. It's important to understand. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of the economists try to forecast market share and forecast the future. I, I like to joke, if you took all the economists in the world and laid them end to end, they still wouldn't reach a conclusion. So nobody knows for sure when when you or other everyday people, I'm not saying you're just an everyday person, but when everyday people are going to be riding around in their own autonomous cars, no one can tell you that for sure. What I pay attention to is that magic moment where the technology is developed enough so we know we can create value. This is really going to be valuable to people. And we, we can create that and sell it at a price where the value exceeds the price so people want it. Yeah. And that price exceeds the cost, so companies want to supply it. Yeah, I call that a, tip, a market tipping point. Yeah, we're we're within five years of that with autonomous cars. And a, an example of a market tipping point that we're living through right now that we finally reached is electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. We have hit the electric vehicle tipping point. How do I know that? When a company like General Motors starts investing more of its capital and engineering budget in electric cars than combustion cars, we've tipped. Yeah. I mean, that's a really significant statement. When I led product planning at General Motors from 1995 to about 2009, we were spending around $15 billion a year to develop cars and trucks. Now, that number is different today because GM went bankrupt in the three sizes and stuff. So when you're spending more than half of something on that scale to develop electric cars, you know that's where the smart money is headed. So we've tipped with electric vehicles. I think we're in a five-year window to tip with autonomous Vehicles. And then, then the industry builds up the supply base, it begins to scale, and then it starts getting out there to everybody. Yeah. So that's how I would pick the timing. Yeah. Right. It's one of my favorite quotes, which I've, I've used on this podcast in my defense, is um, is the the differing, the difference between madness and genius is profit margin. And it's right, because it's up until then, right? Elon Musk, electric vehicle, or, you know, self-landing rockets, or, again, I mean... Google indexing indexing the internet, right? It doesn't matter until until all of a sudden someone's making cheddar on it. With yeah, in fact, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, the, for any of this stuff to matter, for us to use autonomous cars to eliminate road fatality, roadway fatalities, it has to scale on a huge yeah. scale. Yeah, and I think the only mechanism out there that can cause things to scale on a huge scale is the market. Absolutely. I mean, unless people don't want it, if people don't want it, you're not going to get it to scale. If companies don't want to supply it, you won't get it to scale. So you've got to drive the learning around the technology. What engineers do, and again, I said I was an engineer at the beginning, we make what's possible real. That's in simplicity what engineers do. Autonomous cars are possible, and we will make it real because there's a value creation that's going to take place. 
I mean, you take something like an over-the-road trucker that, yeah. who makes 70 to 80 cents a mile, and suddenly someone can do some of that over-the-road driving and not pay the 70, 80 cents a mile because it's autonomous. That, that's a market force, that's significant. Now, I'm concerned about people losing their job. I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm saying here. We have a shortage of truckers in the United States. Yeah. And, and um, e-commerce is exploding. And truck transportation demand has skyrocketed. Yeah, and so I mean the, the market will, will will drive this, and that's what's going to scale it. And that's why you really have to focus on that tipping point. I feel like we're probably going to see again, speaking from all of my experience in autonomous cars, right? A thirty-year-old with a biology degree, but I feel like in my limited knowledge, I always imagined it would start with trucking because you would see trucking. You would see it at night when there's less stop and go, so less exchange or transformation of potential to kinetic energy and wearing of brake pads, just tiny things that add up when multiplied by, like you said, a trillion miles a year. Not only that, I feel like you would get into like drafting almost, right? Because there's a there's a limit on the length that a, an, an automobile can be, but you could have, I mean, road trains that are not physically connected, but then overtake drafting. Absolutely. This whole concept of a virtual train is really, really fascinating. And um, so I I think your imagination really begins to go. Even think about um, recreation vehicles, which have found a new popularity under the COVID world we live in. Imagine that you you have a rec vehicle and you want to go. I live in Michigan. You want to go out west to Yellowstone Park and you're dreading that drive through Nebraska or, yeah. or the Dakotas because it's flat and boring or Iowa. Now, if you could go autonomously, be asleep in your RV yeah. and it's yeah. going across the interstate system. And next thing you know, there's two or three RVs that get together and create a platoon and yeah. you get aerodynamic dragging and start saving fuel and stuff like that. I think there's going to be all kinds of new, new transportation solutions for moving both people and and goods yeah and it's going to have an impact on air travel because suddenly if i can make a 500 mile trip and not have to spend my time driving maybe i don't want to go to the airport and go through security and check in and cram into a plane with a whole bunch of other people maybe i'd rather ride yeah so i yeah i i think i think your observation is 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 very exciting that was that was something i made i dabble in photoshop and one thing i did is as soon as the cyber truck came out or was announced I made a, a Photoshop of a, a cyber camper. And my idea was, I was like, forget the whole cool, sleek car. I was like, imagine, because my family has a lake house about 12 hours from here. I was So in my mind, I was like, you just, you put the destination in and then you go to bed and you wake up and you go from flat Maryland to you're looking at mountains in New Hampshire. And it's just, that's a revolution. It absolutely is. What's interesting about the interstate system, we have 47,000 miles of interstate in America. And um, a lot of- Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Those stretches of interstate are flat, um, straight, mm-hmm. reasonably nice weather. 
that's an easier autonomous driving challenge than trying to drive around in the streets of San Francisco or Manhattan. And some of the stretches of the interstate are are much higher risk. And the data shows that out. There's a lot of telematics companies that collect data and truck crashes, but also evasive maneuvers by truck drivers, hard braking by truck drivers. So we've got a pretty good understanding of the 47,000 miles of freeway which stretches do you probably want to stay away from if you're nervous about risk and which ones are really safe? So the reason I, I, I see this all as inevitable is the first really valuable markets that will be out there will probably be these over-the-road truck stretches of the interstate that are nice and flat and straight. And and you can begin to prove from an entrance ramp to an exit ramp that you can handle that. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you can handle a snowstorm on Loveland Pass in Colorado sure. at night. But suddenly you've got a business case from one entrance ramp to one exit ramp, and you can start running that business. And then a couple of years later, you've expanded it to handle maybe some curves and maybe some mountains. And next thing you know, you've got half of the interstate covered. Yeah. And then two-thirds. That's how this will grow and play out. And I think the recreation vehicle industry will get very, very interesting. Now, let's say you can move freight without having to have the cost of the driver. The scale of the economy of the load, the reason the trucks are as large as they are is because you're trying to spread that cost, driver cost over as many pounds, mm-hmm. big feet of freight as you can. Suddenly, you don't have that scale of the economy. Maybe the truck doesn't need to be as big. And maybe you can have smaller trucks going more frequently. Okay, That's going to change the whole fundamental set of assumptions we've made about logistics and goods movement, I think, is going to be right to be disrupted by this. Yeah, right. Because that's, I mean, that's what happened with the Airbus A380, right? When um, Airbus started it in the early 2000s. And I'm a fan of it because it's just, it's fantastic, double-decker full. I mean, how can you not fall in love with the thing? But I mean, it's, I mean, it's tanking. The COVID is, is the, from, again, my my understanding as a biology major but covid's really expediting its death and phasing out and then who's taking the cake it's the much smaller it's like the dreamliner right smaller more frequent smaller uh i guess flights as opposed to the giant whale yeah yeah. when i was um i finished up my um mechanical engineering degree in the early 70s i went over and got out of engineering a little bit to study public policy at university of michigan but 1975 i was accepted to go do further graduate study at university of california berkeley okay i lived in michigan i bought a a 75 chevy van and it it had no the only windows was a windshield and, and the two door windows and two windows on the back doors yeah and it was you know just a hollow shell and I customized it for camping. So I, I put some portholes in yeah. it, and I put some air vents in it, and I carpeted it and put some storage, built some storage into it. And Tommy, I probably lived out of that van 70 to 90 nights a year for the next four years. And, I, and when I would go from Michigan out to California, I'd go by way of Alaska or by way of the Grand Canyon, wherever the road would take me. Jeez, it was nice. It was really, America is just phenomenal. I, I hope everybody gets a chance to see all of our national parks and travel through some of these great places we have to offer. I would throw in Canada as well as phenomenal because I'd go up to Alaska. But this lifestyle of, of being able to live out of your van is pretty nice stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. And imagine if you did it with a with an RV. I mean, I remember I took like an eight-hour train ride through Alaska once, and it was Definitely not the fastest way. It was it was to a cruise ship. Like you could have taken a plane, but 
man, if that train ride wasn't better than the cruise, big glass top looking around, moose and mountains and clouds, and it's just blowing your mind. Imagine if you could do that with an RV. Oh, I, th- I, th- I think you can. I actually gave a keynote to um, an event uh, in South Bend, Indiana. It was sponsored by Notre Dame and then that region around South Bend. And that happens to be the recreation vehicle capital of the U.S. That's where a lot of these motor homes are built. Mm-hmm. They even have a, a, a recreation vehicle museum there. Really? Which is pretty neat. So I thought through autonomous cars in the context of RVs and, and talked to that group. So, But there's going to be some exciting things that change there. All the way to, um, you know, do I even need to take a trip anymore, given what's happening with e-commerce? Just just this last couple of weeks, I work out of my home office. You can see some windows behind me. And two times in the last two weeks, I've had two UPS trucks or a UPS truck and a FedEx truck in my driveway at the same time. Yeah. So my, my wife is, is here at home. I'm at home. I'm using the Internet to buy more things. My daughters are 32 and 29, and they shop on the internet and sometimes have things sent here or yeah. they don't live here they have things sent here and the boxes pile up so yeah. what are the trips i'm not going to make in the future because of this technology how is that going to change retail how does that change um you know the corner gas station because a lot of these vehicles will be electric and in fact people don't necessarily like to stop to buy gas today no yeah. one really looks forward to having an eighth of a tank and saying i've got to stop to buy gas yeah. so you begin to take some of these negatives out of owning and operating a car like looking for parking like even shopping for the car and suddenly this autonomous vehicle isn't just about you getting your time back as a driver it's about fundamentally changing the economy yeah. and in my book i talk about a four trillion dollar disruption four yeah. trillion dollars a year in the u.s is going to get spent differently some of that will go into the pockets of people because it's not going to be as expensive to move around some of it will go to other people making new kinds of livings because the jobs will change and um, some of it will go to investors because they've made the smart choices on their investment. But I estimate there's going to be a $4 trillion per year redistribution of money in the U.S. as a result of what's happened here. Yeah. I mean, I look at it even with this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply podcast just since covid started i mean you can't see it but all around me i mean hard drives and wires and usb ports Mm -hmm. and 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 fans and laptop components and cameras and microphones all from amazon or somewhere online and all yeah you're right just you know how often do i see every day in 2020 just fedex ups usps all right behind each other and isn't amazon aren't they putting i believe i heard this over thanksgiving Aren't they, if or they've begun with their own transportation, I guess, fleet as opposed to using a third party? Well, yeah, uh, they have their prime vehicles already. So you've got yeah. Amazon Prime vehicles doing it. And if you go back about a year, there was a headline, two headline stories the same day about the Amazon. I found them interesting. They were going to do large ocean-going vessels. So they've been developing those. And on the whole other end, they had these really small, almost beer cooler sized robots 
for robotic delivery. Yeah. So Amazon is a logistics company. I mean, yeah. we think about them as a retailer, yeah. but or e-commerce, but they're fundamentally a logistics company. They're all over these subjects, yeah. and they're creating strategic partnerships with with companies that are investing in different startups. And a penny per mile matters a whole lot. Yeah. If you take the four trillion miles that you drive, uh, Americans drive here, a penny per mile is a lot of money. Yeah. So they're going to be paying attention to that detail. And where does that money come from? You first, there's energy. And electric vehicles do cost less per mile on energy than gasoline or diesel vehicles. You can say five to 10 cents um, a mile off of that. Then there's costs associated with parking. And so if, if a lot of travel is done with shared use vehicles, think Uber without drivers, and those vehicles are actually serving trips 70, 80% of the time rather than being parked 90 to 95% of the time, your capital gets better utilized. Then you're going to get uh, depreciation because you have higher capital utilization and your financing. And then you get your time back as a driver. It's hard to estimate how much, much that is worth. It varies from, from all of us. Some people actually do like to drive, but, but when you ask them, do you like to drive in traffic and congestion? No, they just soon... Yeah. In fact, I became convinced driving was the distraction. Why else would someone send a text at 70 miles an hour if they thought <laughs> that, that, that was more, interesting. more important than, than the driving? Sure. So this this cost per mile thing becomes a very, very big deal. Insurance. If, if we have an autonomous driver, the world's best driver, it's going to be the world's safest driver. We're not going to have nearly as many crashes. So the cost per mile of insurance drops enormously. So the work we did... This was a program I led when I was uh, at Columbia University for a few years. We estimated that the typical cost per mile of an American owning and operating a typical car is about a buck fifty. That's a of someone who makes average wage, that kind of a thing. We thought we could get it down to twenty cents. So it's a dollar thirty. Yeah, and I mean this is big That's time insane. savings off of a three trillion dollar. A three trillion mile a year of travel in the U.S. So yeah. pennies per mile are a big deal. That's why Amazon's all over this. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. And this, I guess, is just wild speculation, but that's the most fun thing. How long do you think we? Unless I'm living under a rock, how long until you think we see an Apple car? An Apple car? Apple, yeah. Is it Apple car? It, the 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 company Apple, the <laughs> iPhone company. It's, it's a great question. <laughs> Let me step back from that a little bit because. Sure. When I worked for General Motors, again, I had a very long career there. Yeah. And um, I joked that I started out of uh, kindergarten, but uh, I had a 40-year um, career with General Motors. And and um, we always viewed our competition to be Ford or Toyota or Volkswagen. And then um, we had this big recession in the 2008-2009-10 timeframe. And during that timeframe, it was... Google was self-driving cars and Tesla with electric cars and Uber and Lyft with transportation services that changed the game. And suddenly the competition for the auto companies aren't just the other auto companies, it's the tech companies. So you've got Amazon and Apple and Alphabet, the uh, parent of Google, Microsoft, you've got Tesla. These are companies with market caps of of 500 billion to over a trillion dollars. That's who the auto companies are competing with. And auto companies like GM and Ford, their market caps are about $50 billion. So it's one-tenth to one-twentieth the market cap. So why I like your Apple question is, is who would have ever thought when you were at General Motors 15 years ago that Apple could be your competitor? 
Yeah. Now, Apple's been, Apple's been in and out of this. Mm-hmm. They're not a very public company. It's very hard to read exactly what Apple is doing. But if you pay attention to some of the people they bring into their company, who they hire, some of them with automotive background, you've got to believe they're going to play somehow in this space. Absolutely. I don't think the winners, the companies of the future, are going to be the ones making the vehicles. Just like with the cell phone or your laptop computer, the computer manufacturer isn't the one necessarily making all the money. Yeah. Oftentimes the laptop was commoditized. It's the software, it's the apps, it's the value creating thing. Yeah. You know, Apple obviously is extraordinarily good at both making things because they make a lot of money making, yeah. selling, and I've got a MacBook Air that yeah. I'm using right here. But they're also very good on the software side. So to think that there was an opportunity to disrupt $4 trillion and Apple wasn't going to jump in and be part of it. That would be a little bit naive. Yeah. But again, they're going to be competing with Amazon and Alphabet and Microsoft and others and Tesla in this space. So it's going to be a very fascinating race. Yeah. Now back to your question, when do I think you'll be riding it on an Apple car? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't think, I don't think you need to wait 20 years, yeah. but I don't know whether they're going to jump in and actually make the car versus make, the operating systems or the apps or manage the data, the user interfaces, sure. whatever, whatever they can find the value to create, that's where they'll play for sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because once you get to a certain amount of market cap, you can kind of start dabbling with anything. I mean, we have Blue Origin, right? And Bezos is, I would imagine, is funding that with Amazon. But his long term, as written in um, uh, Space Barons by Christian Davenport, talks about how Bezos wants to move like the industrial processes up to space. But you, you know, yeah, it's you have to get that trillions of dollars first, right? Apple, I think this past summer, maybe it wasn't because 2020 has been terrible, but they, they broke a $2 trillion market cap. I know they're not there anymore, but no one had done that since like the West East Indies company or something. Maybe Carnegie, maybe Vander, maybe one of them did it, Rockefeller. But yet you're getting to these absurd levels where even if it's not your, your niche, yeah. it'd be silly not to go play. Why not? Why not stick your fingers in that pie? See what happens. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's a good summary of what's going on today. If, if you're a historian at all, there was a period in time like this before, and that's when Teddy Roosevelt was president. Yeah. So when we're ending the 1800s and going into the early 1900s, and there was a lot of concern about wealth distribution yeah. at that time. It was the coal companies, the rail companies, the oil companies, and the bankers who were doing what the tech companies are today. So it's huge concern about wealth distribution and and wages were too low. And Roosevelt really went out there and did a lot of his trust busting mm-hmm. work. So I, I'm an optimist by, by nature, Tommy. And I, I think our society will figure out a way to work through these problems. When you're looking at them right now today, they look formidable, but then you go back as a historian and you look over a long time frame and you realize somehow economies transition, nations transition, and we, we, we work through it. What excites me about digital technology more broadly is it does give a chance to create more value and do it. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you look at the automobile, which is a hundred year old, hundred plus year old industry, 
you know, only about one to two percent of the BTUs in a gallon of gasoline move a driver today. Hmm. Because when you burn gasoline, about 70 percent of the, the energy gets lost is heat. Yeah. And 30, 20 to 30 percent turn the wheels with torque and a person weighs 150 pounds, a car weighs 3,000 yeah. pounds. Most of that work is used to move the car. Yeah. So our energy consumption hasn't been sustainable. We have way more parts and way more material in our cars than we need because they're way over-designed. We're using way too much land for parking. And on and on the story goes, more capital than we need. So the digital technology, what I talk about in, in the book Autonomy, we're going to be able to do move around and interact much more sustainably. Your audience, the younger audience that you're dealing with on your podcast, that you serve on your podcast, it's about your age cohort having a future. Shame on my age cohort if I leave you an unsustainable future. We now have a chance for future generations to realize their full potential by dealing with this. And the digital technology is just remarkable in its ability to improve the quality of experiences while at the same time use far less energy, far less material, far less wasted capital in, in doing that. And by the way, letting a lot more people move around in, in this case. If you're under 16 years old, you don't have a license, you can't benefit from a car. If you're over 70, 75, and you're concerned about your physical or mental capabilities of driving, your accessibility is diminished. If you don't have the money to own a car, it's diminished or if you're physically handicapped. So now what we're going to be able to do is have a lot more people realize this freedom. That's why we named the book Autonomy. Yeah. This freedom, yeah. go where they want to, when they want to, without having to, to, to destroy the planet en route. Yeah. And this is a great thing. It's not a trade-off. We, we can move them both forward. Yeah. Now the challenge is what are the jobs going to be? And that's the thing that keeps me up at night. What will the new jobs be? Because if I could do an autonomous electric car and design an engineer that with half as many parts as a combustion human-driven car, that's fewer jobs, not just fewer assembly plant jobs, it's fewer engineering jobs, fewer purchasing jobs, the whole value chain. And, and so that the jobs impact of what we're talking about isn't just the drivers, it's the people in that manufacturing and design and engineering system. It's the suppliers. It's the gas station owner operators. It's the parking lot attendants and all of those things. So hopefully the new economy, the digital economy, will create a different kind of job. Yeah. It's very important for 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 um, teenagers up to, to 40-year-old people today. Very, very important as they think through that. That's why I wrote this book. I really felt um, it's a good thing to get to this future. Um, not everyone agrees with me, but I believe it's a good thing to reduce, eliminate car crashes, get off of the, the geopolitics of oil, uh, to, to use our land better, our capital better, all of that stuff. I think that's a good thing. How do you get the good thing implemented? It's through uh, collective will. Mm -hmm. And how do you get collective will? It's through common understanding. So I wrote the book to try to help people better understand what's possible and at least hear my perspective on why I think that it's a good thing. But this is about your generation. It's much more about your generation than my generation. You guys got so many exciting things to look forward to. Honestly, I said I'm an engineer. I wish I was 24 years old again, knowing what I know as an engineer, being able to participate in the kind of economies that are going to be created and the opportunities to make the world a better place for more people and also have an opportunity to have a successful business along yeah. the way. Yeah. It's all of that.
Yeah. Well, who knows, man? Radical life extension, right? That's Kurzweil predicted, right? Three ways. <laughs> Biotechnology, genomics, nanotechnology. I think by 2020, we we're supposed to have nanobots in our blood. Not yet, yeah. but... Yeah, I mean, you, you, you haven't pivoted the drones yet, but yeah. my goodness, if we think we can do driverless cars on the surface, oh, it's... what are we going to do Game in, over. in the third dimension? Great game. Uh, and I, I, I've never been a big fan of the, the term flying car because I always thought that was going to be a bad plane and a bad car. That's a helicopter. But, but the drone itself, moving the mass of a human or moving goods, that's that's not science fiction. I mean, that, that can be done right now. Where is that going to land? I don't think it's going to re- – you see, 70% of the trips we make, uh, Americans make, are eight miles or less. I don't know that I need to go up in the air to make an eight-mile trip, personally. Sure. But that 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 trip from twenty miles out to three, four hundred miles, that can be facilitated with these drones. That could be revolutionary versus riding in a car. Yeah, that oh, really, really could change the game big time. Yeah. How do you, how do you think? I've got you for five and a half more minutes. How do you think it's going to? And just kind of to hear it from your mouth as opposed to mine. How's it going to change emergency services? Things like EMTs, fire trucks, just in general, if every car was in sync, you'd have one, you know, EMT barreling down the road. If every other car was in, I guess, electronic communication, they could all almost part the Red Sea. How do, how do you think that's going to, is, the, is there going to be a significant change in that? Or something like fire trucks in New York? Is there going to be a significant change with autonomy? Fire trucks and, and ambulances and uh, EMT vehicles? Um, I, I just uh, about a month ago read about a, a robotic fire truck and uh, with the whole system and other things. So you watch, and I'm not an expert by any means. I have tremendous respect for our first responders and what they have to do. But when you watch the, the, the fire responders managing their hoses and stuff and how physically taxing that must be, this happened to be a robot that managed the hose basically and had an intelligent well uh, i'm not saying intelligent had the capability of yeah. spraying the water onto the fire in, in ways that maybe were were safer and and as effective as people doing it so i i think you're going to see those kinds of changes importantly the traffic safety experts believe we're going to reduce over 90 percent of the car crashes and you say where did that come from well when you study crashes um and you ask why did that crash occur 90 over 90 percent are human error yeah um some of it is driving impaired some of it is not obeying the the speed limits some of it is getting it over your head in certain weather conditions uh, but it's, it's human error it's getting distracted so if we can eliminate those crashes um hopefully then we don't need as many that's true emergent to, 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 to crash things as we go forward here yeah, yeah. I was thinking. I was thinking more of like a like house call EMT. Like how quickly can they get there? Like oh, you know, yeah, well, EMT uh, to driveway. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I think very quickly. You can yeah. give prioritization to it. Yeah. So today you got to if you're you're driving the fire truck or the ambulance, yeah, you've got to yeah. hope somebody oh, hears yeah. you, and they pull over to the side. Tomorrow, the car will sense it and it'll pull over on its own. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right, Tommy. I think there's some real opportunities for that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be insane. It's gonna it's gonna be like germ theory, right? It's gonna be like Joseph Lister and like the antiseptic technique. It's gonna just be this massive where we look back and we're like, how did they ever used to do surgery before? It was just <laughs> you just wipe off the scalpel and you're like, good as new. Yeah. 
versus yeah. all of a sudden it's like, wow, everybody's surviving. It's like amputees don't have to be a death sentence. I think that's what it's going to be. It's going to be like, dude, people I used think, to I, die. I, 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 yeah. I, I think that's, that's a, a great observation because you know, I do a lot of public speaking on this subject, and oftentimes I'll end my speech reminding the audience that innovation in this area of this age of automobility is in its infancy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about what we've accomplished. And when I say automobility, what I really mean is that intersection of electric vehicles with autonomous vehicles. And rather than, than the business being vehicle as the product, it's transportation as a service. That doesn't mean you can't have your own for your exclusive use, but there's it's supplied to you through leases and a service subscription kind of a basis. I think the innovation around autonomous electric vehicles and that kind of business model is absolutely in its infancy. Yeah. We're going to have dramatic learning curves on sensors, and we already have big data and analytics, and we're going to have dramatic learning curves on the software the mapping systems and other things. And it's remarkable. So if your audience is listening in, they're thinking, hey, this is exciting, but maybe the train's not the station and there aren't opportunities out there for me to jump into it. No, I think I think there's going to be all kinds of exciting new innovations coming forward. You know, we've talked about electric vehicles, battery electric vehicles, but hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles, absolutely are going to be part of this. All, kind, all kinds of investor interest right now, nothing called green hydrogen, which... Um, sometimes the word green has gotten a negative connotation. What I'm talking about with green hydrogen is solar energy and wind energy are intermittent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the wind isn't blowing hard enough and the sun isn't shining bright enough, but other times it's shining more and blowing harder than you need. Yeah. You could argue that's free electricity that you can run through water and create hydrogen. Sure, electrolysis. Yeah. Hydrogen then can be distributed and then put back through a fuel cell to make electricity either to propel your vehicle or to do something in your home or your business. So this economy of, of, of electrons and hydrogen intermixing because you can make electricity from hydrogen, hydrogen from electricity. And there's just going to be an explosion of innovation around all of that and the energy systems that support that. Yeah. So it's... I really encourage your audience to get informed on these subjects and look for innovation opportunities most importantly look for opportunities where you can make people's experiences better yeah i sort of mentioned earlier in our discussion people generally don't like to shop for a car they don't like to look shop for financing and insurance they don't like to look for parking they don't like to stop to buy gasoline a lot of people could care less about getting their car washed some people like to maintain their cars but most people don't and then some people say i love to drive but there's a lot of cases where you don't the auto industry for a century has assumed we'd put up with all those negative or at best neutral experiences and pay $35,000 for a car and leave a park 90% of the time. Come on. <laughs> now we've got a chance to change all of those experiences. Yeah. Pick it up at your door, dropped off at your door en route. You can be doing anything you want. You yeah. can get a massage. You can be reading, sleeping, having a martini. Who knows what you want to do? And so you make the experience better. So focus on design innovation yeah. that makes experiences compelling. Focus on technology innovation that take those experiences to the next level. And very importantly, all of this uh, matters only if you can deliver it with really good operations, operational effectiveness. It's really, really important. Yeah. So your audience, I think, has a huge set of opportunities out there oh. to jump into I'm excited. My mind's, and I know I'm out of time, but yeah, my mind's immediately running to 
if everything else gets negated, like safety, or that's the safest car. But I like the, I feel like it's all going to boil down to simply experience. Who gets the who gets the sleekest ride? Are we going to see Bentley and Rolls Royces? Are those going to take the cake? Well, it's, it's, I think you're going to see a different way of making those statements. I mean, this phone here, this Apple, a lot of kids didn't want to have a BlackBerry yeah. once the Apple became yeah. dominant. So there's going to be all kinds of opportunities for fashion statements of, and style statements in, in this future. Yeah, But it may, not, it may not be what the car looks like. Oh, no, I was thinking and, and interior. A whole different set of things that are defining... Oh, the, the the prestigious or the premium, yeah, or the fat oriented experience, yeah, absolutely, yeah. No, my mind was not exterior. I was going to interior because if everything is equally safe, oh, it's going to be who has the the rollback lazy boy, who has the 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 uh, the frost glass, who has the sound system. That's what it's yes. going to be. It's yeah, yes, absolutely. That's it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be insane. No, well, I've I've kept you two minutes over that I said I would. Mr. Larry Burns, author of Autonomy, which will be sticking to the top comment and in the description. I've never recommended a bad book, so go grab it. Thank you very much, sir, and I will uh, send you an email. I'd love to have you on again sometime and just pick your brain. Yeah. That, that was awesome. Program. Thank yeah, you, sir. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. You have a good one. Bye-bye.